A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or my voice too seriously. <laughs> wow, I am hoarse today. <laughs> are you okay, JB? Am I okay? If anyone asks me that again, I will kill them. <laughs> no, All but right. JB, are you okay? Oh, yeah, you've got to ask me twice, right? You've got to ask me twice. You've got to keep asking <laughs> until you break down in tears. Yeah, yeah. It's like the uh, first the first aid mental health, uh, what, what are they called? The first, res- oh, what are the people in work called now? Uh, Mental health first aiders. Yes. Their yeah, job yeah. is basically to keep asking the question until they break down the staff. Exactly. And then when they break down the staff, they're meant to rebuild them and use them as like these totems as to why you should be mentally ven- mentally vulnerable. They're gaslighting people into admitting <laughs> they're mentally vulnerable. But are you okay, JB? I am. Is your, is your voice okay? I don't, I don't care about your me- mental <sighs> state. I just care about your voice. I would trade my voice for the night I had on Friday several times <laughs> over. That is my answer. <laughs> Worth it. Yeah. Uh, uh, talking about uh, big time party animals down the line, Tim Cocker, how are we? Are you okay, JB? <laughs> I'm okay, thank you, Tim. <laughs> uh, no, I'm good. I'm good. The TMO shipping container is in London town. It has been busy, that uh, that shipping container. Very busy. Well, you, you never know how much longer it'll be busy for. So you've got you've to use it, use it or lose it. Exactly right, exactly right. Uh, You are in London, is that right? Yes, correct. What's going on in London, mate? Uh, Just, I'm covering on uh, Virgin Radio this week. Um, I'll be on at 10 o'clock. In fact, if you're listening to this on the way on a Monday morning, or any day this week for that matter, uh, and uh, it's maybe the morning you're on your commute, maybe maybe get me on at 10 a.m. I'll be on. Oh, that's a great idea. Playing Bon Jovi to the nation. Yes, very good idea. So, I mean, there's lots of stuff going on th- going on this week. There's some transfers. There's some non-transfers. Basically, the Premiership season's over. Would you agree with that? Well, we know we know who, who's finishing where in the spots that matter. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty much. Uh, there's the RFU decision, which came down on Friday, which was a surprise to absolutely nobody. But I'm going to start off with this question. Mm. And I'm sure it's not as novel as I think. Well, I've not really thought it through. But is this the first time the top four has been made up entirely of past champions? Oh, wow, what a question. I think it might be, you know. So, last year it was Sale, Champions Exeter, Saracens, 
and Tigers. So no, last year it was all champions too. So no, so no. Got it. Year before that it was Bristol, who've never been champions. Yeah. In fact, so maybe only only last two years. Um, well, Exeter, obviously the first time that they won it, no. But presumably the second time, who was they played Wasps? They're a past champion. Saracens w- probably weren't there because of the. Well, how how many champions of the Premiership have there been? Sale, Northampton, Leicester, Exeter, Saracens, Harlequins. I'll tell you what. Everyone, everyone forgets Bath, Newcastle. Bath have not done it. Bath they, have not done it. Not Bath. as a. Is this with the? Uh, never won the Premiership. Never won the Premiership. They, they finished first in they, the table prior to the playoffs. Dun, they might have won the Allied Dunbar. I think they finished first. Newcastle. 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 No Newcastle. Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Gloucester have never won it, I don't think. I'm just looking. So Bath, no. Bath, summary of winners. According to this, Bath have won it six times, but not the last one was 1996. So pre um Doesn't playoff. count. Doesn't yeah. count. That's not yeah. the premiership. Yeah, that's not professional era. Yeah, last one pre-professional era. So the second time, maybe that they've all been champions. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I remember. It was asking... the, the year that Newcastle got top four? Oh yeah, that was not long ago, was that's it? That's a great shout. Christ, what has happened to Newcastle as a club? Actually, you were up at Newcastle. What is the what's the general feeling around there? Because to me. I'm not going to put too much gloss on it. I think they're turning into a bit of a joke club. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of good people there. Agreed as as always, it's, it's a rugby club. There's just there's good people there, and there are a lot of good people, and there's a lot of effort. But I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised when I look at it, and I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if they're almost winding up, ready to voluntarily go to a second tier, whatever that looks like. Hmm. That's interesting. They're not going to keep Carreras. There's no way. He, he's, he's off. He'll be <laughs> off in the summer, surely. Yeah, exactly. He's, what's the length of his deal? Because he will be off at the end of his deal. I, I don't. I, I think it's longer than this year, but I don't. I don't think that matters. I think. I think anyone comes in with a good offer for one of their big players. Yeah, and they're not going to stand. They're not going to stand in their way. They'll let them go. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't and, know. And I can definitely, basically. Any club on the planet would want him. He's one of the best wingers in the world. He's yeah, one of the uh, best. Uh, he's one of the best NFL punt returners that isn't playing in the I was, NFL. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, you think he's moving to France? I'm thinking he's moving to Real Madrid or <laughs> the Philadelphia Eagles. He's amazing, isn't he? He's absolutely class. And that in that game, kind of, how long was it in? Two minutes in, Tim. Five minutes in, when he yeah. makes that break and Radwan goes in in the corner, and I was thinking. God, Cocker's got this right. He said Newcastle could win. They are going to... If those two keep getting the ball like that, they are going to win. Unfortunately, that was about all they did all game. Yeah. It was... It was pretty embarrassing. But the thing is, you've got to remember, and, and this is where the broader point, I think, is on, on the Premiership as a whole. It was only a few weeks ago and Northampton were getting absolutely pumped by Bristol. Mm. And now they're dishing out the pumping at Newcastle. And these 60-point drubbings... It's. I think it's demonstrative of a league that is in a very bad place. I am mixed on this. So I think Newcastle are not very good. That's the first thing I'll say. And it's not they don't have a couple of quality players. They really do. Carreras is amazing. 
Um, I was going to mention Adam Radwan. Adam Radwan seems to have got his speed back. I think, you know, having those two either side, you're always going to score some tries, no matter what. Yeah, because they're, they're like, they're mirror images of one of each, one, yeah. one another on the opposite wings. I mean, it's frightening, actually. When Carreras first burst onto the scene, I actually thought I was watching Radwan when he was, who did he tear, tear to pieces? I can't remember who it was now. Uh, who haven't they torn to pieces? Yeah, it was like his first or second game, though. And yeah. I was like, wow, wow, this Radwan guy. is unreal. And it's yeah. Carreras. Right, that's how good he is. Um, but games are not won with wingers. That's why they're they not, not the highest paid players in the Premiership. You need big second rows and big props and front rows and you know all the nuts and bolts, all the boring nuts yeah, and bolts. And that's let me not, just qualify well, what I meant by the. Let me just qualify what I meant by the. That this is indicative of a of a Premiership that a league that's in trouble. When you watch the England team, you, we talk about all oh, the coaches aren't doing that, or they should be picking this player and that player. I think you can directly draw a line between a deteriorating premiership and a underperforming England team. And this probably goes back five to ten years. Just Newcastle is one example. There are seven, four, uh, four Argentinian international players in that team. And you go around the league and there's like 20 Argentine internationals playing in the premiership. Yeah, We're, just, we're paying their salary, keeping them ready to potentially beat us in the World Cup. <laughs> Meanwhile... There are some key positions, prop, hooker, centre, to name a few, where we do not have good enough talent either at international level right now or coming, or more worryingly, coming through to challenge the people that are currently occupying the shirts. And it's only, unless there's massive reform, it's only going to get worse. And, and yeah. I'm, well, okay. It's, you've got to remember, it was only, only a year or two ago and you were genuinely, JB, saying... And this isn't to knock you because I understand why, but only a couple of years ago you were saying the Premiership is the best league in the world. Okay, so uh, I think there's a few things which could, are potential options. I'm not saying you're wrong. In fact, I think you're obviously right because England don't have that talent. Now, I wonder if some of that is, and also relating to the differential in points, I wonder if it's a case that styles in the Premiership make matchups. If you get a team that is not suited to how you play, you can get an absolute pasting. So. Newcastle at home, pretty much full strength against Northampton. I mean, Northampton, the way that they attack on the on the right day, will give you an absolute hiding. And if you're 5% off, yeah, you are going to concede a lot of points to Northampton. And I, I think that's the biggest thing here, that Newcastle weren't 5% off. They were on the beach. Yeah. Their, their season's done. They've not got to worry about relegation. Most of the lads have gone. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah. The, exactly. The, yeah. This is ring fencing. This, games ring fencing. like this is 100%. ring fencing. 100%. Yeah. Then you look at, say... A game a few weeks ago, like Bristol versus Northampton. Northampton are susceptible to this. They obviously do not work that hard on defence. I mean, they work well, some parts of defence, but not that hard. Well, they they have categorically the worst defence in the league. Yeah, they have conceded the most points, and by some distance, they're the only team who's conceded over six hundred points in their t- their twenty yeah. games. So, I mean, Northampton is a classic case, aren't they? You are good at what you do. And you're rubbish at what you don't do. And it's obvious what they don't do. Yes. But that's fine, they're top four. Yeah, yeah, and you've got to choose. Yeah, you've got to choose. So because of that, maybe England are not being given these well-rounded players. Now you look at France and you look at, say, La Rochelle or Toulouse, they can do everything. Like There's not anything that that, those teams can't do because of the way that they're, they're constructed, the way that the league is played. Whereas in the Premiership, you've got to find your niche and you've got to sort of go with that. Um, so that would be the first thing. Maybe the players are too specialist to the teams that they play in. And the second thing, and much, much more concerning, 
is even if my first stipulation was true, and even if that did make a difference, where are the next generation of players? Like, where is the English version version of? Uh, you know, I was thinking, I was, thinking of, I was looking at, at Theo Dan today. I was like, he is a good player. He should be looked at by England. I think he's a, a, a cracking player. Yeah, but he's not like a Malvaca, is he? Well, he's not like no, no. You know, he's not a Camille Shap. No. Like, so where are the or, next uh, generation of beasts? Who's the one who plays at La Rochelle? Bogarit. Yes. Who's ace. Like, they've got all of these ace guys coming through in France. Now, maybe they're more generalist. Maybe they trained it. I don't know. But they're not in England. And I and that sh- should be a worry, actually, because I can't think of the next great English second row, next great English prop, next great English hooker. I mean, I'm, And also, those positions do tend to mature a bit later. But who are they? Is but, it Dan Frost? But but the front five, you're right. Second, second row should go on that list as well. And front five has traditionally been a strength for England. Yeah. And that and you, the phrase that you to use a lot: steel sharpens steel. A ring fence league, the focus shifts, and all of a sudden England are not producing mutant front five players. Yeah. I don't think that's. I don't think that's a coincidence. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are some. I mean, like, uh, for instance, who am I thinking of now? Like Leicester have them all, I think. Leicester have all the sec- all the young second rows in the country. They've certainly got some depth there. Um, I mean, there's a couple of nice ones at Exeter, but they're Welsh, in Jenkins and Tashunza. But there's not a huge amount coming through. Even even like the t- the the pair at Quin- uh, Quinns at Saracens, one one stolen from Quinns, yeah, Tizard and Callum Hunter Hill, yeah, and not no, I don't. Um, sorry, no, sorry. No, go on. go on. Phil, I don't know whether you watch rugby tonight this evening, or either of you did. I do not watch no, rugby tonight. I, I, no, I, did, I, I did not. I knew JB wouldn't, and your blood would have been boiling, JB. Um, but anyway, um, but what? But it's it's it always makes me giggle how many things that one or two or all of us come up with at some point, and years later, other people mention it, <laughs> and it gets treated like a revolutionary call that how oh what what a great mind and Pat Lamb suggested a draft oh really sometimes. yeah oh really uh was it a simultaneous multi auction <laughs> multi round auction it, it, wasn't, it auction. wasn't a simultaneous multi round auction but uh Ugo was talking about what a great spectacle that would be and it'd give you loads of stories to tell in the off season and uh, <laughs> Pat Lamb was saying it would distribute the young players and do away with academies it was just so many things that would go like, yeah, that'll be episode whatever number, that'll be, Thanks, guys. that'll be then, that'll be then. Yeah, and uh, they'll all be thought of as revolutionary thinkers now. Particularly Pat Lamb. I mean, I don't think that guy's had a novel idea for a long time. Um, well, but, but, at least, but no, but at no, least, let's, at least some solutions are getting hey, spoken about. Uh, a, Michael Go- a saying that Michael Gove used, but it wasn't Michael Gove saying. Do you know when, have you ever heard of Churchillian Drift, but, 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 by the way? No. Churchillian Drift is, um, is it is it a defence that um, London Irish used back in the day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the old London Wasps or something. No, Churchillian drift is that basically every quote eventually gets attributed to Churchill. <laughs> so, so whether this um, is Govian drift, I, I don't really know. But he said it's amazing what can be achieved if nobody nobody cares who uh, who gets the credit. So if we get a draft in the Premiership and we can credit Pat Lamb, I'm all for it. Yeah, as much yep. as that would pain me, because then you'll go on to be commissioner of bloody NRL or something. So I don't think it's worth dwelling on 
the game too much other than Northampton have got some ace players and Phil, someone that you mentioned a couple of couple of weeks ago, might have even been last week, how much you like Fraser Dingwall. That guy's good. That guy's a really good player. Yeah. Love Fraser Dingwall. I, I think he's class and he can play twelve and thirteen as well, which not many people can. Well, um Hutchinson can. <laughs> Hutchinson's not English, unfortunately. Um but yes, Hutchinson can. Although Hutchinson wearing twelve is I don't know, is he more like a Jason Robinson-style 12? I've got no idea what he is. He's I, not really a typical 12, is he? I think he's just amazing. Like, he is, he's the guy you want to bring if the opposition defence is 10% off. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. But he's not the guy you want to bring if they are completely on their game. He well, is a gamble in of himself. Well, I, I did, I was kind of um, watching it. So I watched the last two weeks of um, really Saracen's but who they're play, who they've played, because they've played their two potential opponents for yes. the playoffs. And I did find it interesting that they fielded a weakened team against Northampton, which gave Northampton the win, or allowed, it gave them a chance for the win, and then the, the Duncan Taylor red card helped. And then uh, when they played Irish, they played a pretty strong team, close to as strong as they could actually feel, bearing in mind the injuries, Yeah, um, which effectively eliminated London Irish. Well, it, not effectively. It did eliminate London Irish yeah, from I, the running. I think. The, and, and meant that they were then playing Northampton. So it's kind of the... You could read that one or two ways. Either Saracens, it was the right time to rest and all, all of that, or they'd rather play Northampton. 100% This that. is like the club call. It's like the club yeah. call in rugby league. Yeah, it is. It kind of was. It's like a, an indirect club call. Well, I, I just don't think they respect they respect Northampton or what they do. I, I, I That's more where I fall yeah. in this. If you <laughs> got their boys off the record, right, and you asked, what do you think of Northampton? They would say they are shocking. Now, I don't think that. I think Northampton are a, a very interesting team, but I just don't think they'd be respected by Saracens one bit. I mean, I think... Tompkins, Lazowski, Farrell, they just know they're going to beat them up and they're going to beat them up badly and mm-hmm. aggressively. It just That's what's going to happen. That's what's <laughs> going to happen. So, yeah, Sar- I mean, unless Saints play a remarkable game of rugby against Saracens in a few weeks' time, it's going well, to be completely one way traffic. I'm just going to remind you, broadly speaking, I agree in terms of matchups, Saracens match up very well against Saints. But I am going to remind you of that semi final last year where. Leicester are not dissimilar from Saracens in their style of play. And Northampton went away from Welford Road feeling like they really should have got to a Premiership final. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, Saracens are, Saracens will have to be careful not to beat themselves. That's what I'd say. Because I think their team selection today was two things. I think they thought they had two shots. No, three things, right? So they're treating this as the first playoff game. I think eliminate mm. Irish. They don't want to see Irish in the in the playoffs for good reason. And also, if Irish turn them over today, it what an amazing statement for Irish going into that semi final. Irish would almost be favourites going in because they've got so many good players. They've got so much uh, explosivity. They they can score. So Saracens did a proper number. Mm-hmm. The- Honestly, I think Saracens purely picked it on. It, it was just the right time to rest their players because they had the big. They had the international six weight nations finished and they had their big Tottenham stadium weekend. So they had to play their big guns in that. Mm. 
Well, uh, they had they, then they had the Champions Cup. Yep. And then they and then they had Northampton. So it just it was the obvious time to rest players. I mean, there is that too. There is that too, and they are very good at rotating. The other thing as well is I do not think they had exercised the ghost of La Rochelle, and that is the first time in about four years I've seen them tactically wanting. They were tactically awful, and I've never said that about Saracens mm. because they're brilliant. They're a brilliant, brilliant organization, and I also think that's probably why the first forty minutes today was close. Because they, they looked nervous and rusty and unsure of themselves. And then second half, they got their act together and it's game over. And credit to London Irish in that first half. Yeah. They got the first points on the board. They scored the try through Rogerson, took it very well. And they they made it an arm wrestle for Saracens. Saracens didn't have it all their own well, all their own way. Irish kicked well. They kicked returned well. Uh, and for the after, half time, you thought either team could win this. Yeah. And then... Uh, Rob Simmons happened. Rob Simmons with his fifth fifth yellow card of the season and he might have got two reds. I might be getting confused. Yes, he does. Season. He's had definitely one um, anyway. And I, I bet that the majority of them are for high tackles. Yeah, probably. Um, Almost certainly, actually. And it's just one of those where it's like... <sighs> now, he caught someone... It's I think that, Theo Dan it, yeah. in this game. And it was it was an arm, it was a bit awkward because he was rushing up, but it was it's just a well, it got described by Lawrence Delano, it was dull. And it, it kinda was because we've seen this at least five times already this season that has cost London Irish games. So uh after that it felt like there was no way back and Fast started accumulating points, the driving mall got going. And it was. It ended up being a nice, comfortable win for Saracens. It's very comfortable. In fact, it's disappointingly comfortable in the end. Uh, it was a little bit, yeah. Uh, so, I've just forgotten what, what I was about to say now. Oh, yeah. For London Irish, I mean, we do talk about how exciting they are. We spoke about their back three lots and lots. I have been really disappointed with the second half of the season from uh, Arundel. But he was injured for a period of time, wasn't he? Yeah. Then he was with England, and then he's hardly been used. Yeah, he's coming for the bench. He just yeah. doesn't seem to be making an impact. And I thought this is going to be the next great player. I, you know, I would want him to have an impact. If he's going to be international, we think he is. And he still might be. He needs to be performing like Carrerist is in Newcastle. He needs to have yeah, those yeah. moments consistently. And I just didn't see him. I agree. I, I don't because the game was dead. I don't even know how long he got. This came week. on about half uh, about. 20 minutes. Three, three minutes, 20 minutes on that. Yeah, not enough time in a game like this. But he should, you're right, he should be starting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I've just done a very quick check back uh, on the teams who have... Uh, sorry, the top fours where all top fours have won the league. I think there's two. This season, last season? No. Uh, well, so uh, 22. So... Uh, Sorry, this season, last season, and one before that. Saints? No. Nope. We mentioned it before. When Newcastle. 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 Yeah. It's 2018. Uh, so it's the, yeah, Newcastle, Leicester, Queens, and Saracens. Not Leicester, because it was one of those years where Leicester would, oh, yeah, well, should have been Saracen. relegated, I think. So the first yeah. year, I might even be the first year Leicester didn't make the playoffs. Uh, it might might have been, yeah. So, so Quinn's sale, Newcastle. 
Sale would not be there, would they? No. And Saracens? No. You've only got two of the teams. Okay. Definitely Northampton then. Okay. Not Northampton. Okay. So Newcastle and Saracens. Saracens and Newcastle. Newcastle. They played each other in the semi. No, they didn't. Uh, No, they didn't. No, they didn't. They didn't. They did not. Harlequins Exeter? Exeter. So it's the year after Exeter won it. And Wasps. And Wasps. There you go. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Exeter, Saracens, Wasps. That's a brilliant segue into another couple, uh, another talking point. Well, let's just, just, sorry, just before that segue, because let's use that segue. But um, I've been looking back and uh, so what year did, what year did uh, the playoffs start? Okay, I know almost exactly because. Okay, so it would have been two thousand and five. I don't know. No, two thousand and yeah, yeah, around that time, two thousand four, two thousand five. I'd say two thousand three. It was ah, okay. Who topped the first table? You ah, know this, JB. Gloucester. Gloucester, yeah. Tim knows it. Um, but it took until. Uh, Actually, if we if we're using this, so Newcastle on because Newcastle won it in nineteen ninety eight when there wasn't playoffs. I, I'm I'm but, allowing league winners, but Bath Bath won it two years before that. Did they? It wasn't yeah. the Premiership though? It wasn't it wasn't professionalism yeah, yeah, yeah. in the Premiership. Yeah, so <laughs> no, so Newcastle won the first Premiership. Um, when they so, had Inga Tweel and Marla, they just they just bought all the players. Gareth Archer, they just bought everyone. Well, maybe that twenty eighteen year. It depends how you define that. Is it is yeah. it calling it the Premiership or is it um, the playoffs that count? No, no. So, so, so you've even the playoffs. Newcastle was the first year of professional rugby that they won it. It's, I think, or second year. Yeah, it depends when you class. But it was about ninety six professionalism, wasn't it? Yeah. So the year before that, anyway. It's when it, it's basically when the name was changed to the Premiership. Well, yeah, so then it takes... Rather uh, than the Courage Leagues or whatever yeah, it Yeah, because that's when they would have dished out the, the, the shares and the restructuring and all the rest of it. But yeah, it depends if you count Newcastle. But if you don't count Newcastle then, in 98, it takes until 2011 to get the fourth winner. Because Wasps and Leicester won almost everything for uh, a dozen years. Bet- between... Oh, wow. Uh, 1999 and 2010, so it, just after that Newcastle win and just before Saracens' first win, Leicester and Wasps won everything apart from 2005-06 yeah. when, when Sale won it. So, okay. So so, uh, so prior to that point, you couldn't have a uh, a top four with four winners because there were not four winners. Exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> so... Wasps now become one of the most important teams in England for rugby trivia because they'll be a little trick question that everyone will forget because they're no longer no longer in the public eye. Yeah, yeah. Well, segue time. Ooh, oh, here we go. So, have I got this correct? Okay, this, this is as I understand it's happening. Okay, right. So, a couple of days ago, the RFU announced they've been announcing quite a few things lately, but uh, this is one of them. Uh, the RFU announced that there will be relegation from the English Championship. Mm. So they've so you know wait till basically the, there's one week left of the season to announce what's happening, what, what what's actually happening with that league. That that sounds like a really good way to steward the league. Anyway, so they announced that, 
uh, which means it, which it meant that the London Scottish versus Richmond game at the weekend became almost a a, a playoff to be relegated to National One and play under the RFU's new laws. Yes, ah, um, the, the community game. At the, yeah, three. yeah. So, so now, so now, Mark Mark Bright or um and and or, and his team for Richmond or or the London Scottish team and all their guys, some of which are ex pros at, at Premiership clubs, they they would they were playing to potentially drop down to the community game and whilst being they're not elite rugby players anymore they're community rugby players <laughs> oh, right. a community player good luck i know community player so so if if richmond go down mark bright and all his incredible service to rugby and all those tried he is now a player just the same as a level 10 club that third yeah. 15 you know, that is a guy we uh, should get on the podcast 100 it's one yeah. of the few people in rugby i'm actually bothered about interviewing <laughs> yeah uh, do it, Ruby Pod for Mark Bright. That would be a great episode. Yeah, that'd be a great episode. We need to get that done. So anyway, so the RFU announced that there's going to be a relegation from the Championship. Uh, the, Richmond and Mark Bright's Richmond lost the game against London Scottish and are now one point behind with one game to go at the bottom of the table, Ooh. looking at going down to be a community rugby club. So Richmond, a team that when they had financial irregularities were banished to the very bottom of the league pyramid, are are quite possibly going to be relegated to the community level of the game. Uh, A team, and next season, who's going to be in the championship? Cambridge. Wasps. Wasps. A team with financial irregularities. Who have financial irregularities, currently have no club, uh, no ground, and no players. Yeah, send them to... I mean, I've been fairly vocal about this. Send them to to the bottom of the pyramid. Yeah. It's where they deserve to be. Agreed. Like, there's no ifs or buts. If you if if you if you're so reckless with your money, actually, I don't think wasps were reckless. They were un- well, they were both. They were unlucky and reckless. Um, but you just go to the bottom of the pyramid. Yeah, unlucky, over optimistic, and unlucky. Yeah, at a bad time. Yeah, yeah. But it's, given what's happened to Richmond, for example, amongst others, it does feel a bit strange that to, uh, that this is a, an exceptional difference. Yeah, I agree with that. It's uh, it's poor. But actually, we were talking about Mark Bright and Co. battling to stay up to mm. play the normal laws. Well, I've seen one game of Nat One rugby this year, only one, and that was a fight in order not to play the children's rules. And that was <laughs> Sale in Cambridge, and it sounds like Cambridge will probably go up go up this year. Mm. Well, uh, the, the race for promotion in National One and to go up to the championship is is massive. And basically, uh, so it's. Sale FC finished one point behind Rams, having played all their games. There is one fixture remaining. Cambridge are playing it, and they are four points behind Rams. So a five-point win next weekend, and Cambridge get to play the full elite rules. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise Rams go up. Yeah. So, it, yeah, so it's, it's gone down. There were five teams, weren't there, challenging at the top. It was Rams, Cambridge, FC... Um, I can't remember the life of me. Who the other one was? Roslyn Park. Now, Roslyn Park are the interesting ones because apparently Roslyn, and I don't know if it's a fact, but apparently they can beat anyone on their day, but they quite like not being championship because of where they are, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. They've got a nice little setup. They've got a lot of boys working in the city and they do not really want to be going into championship with the kind of commitment that that takes. Yes, which is sensible. I've known other clubs... Uh, 
perhaps think it's sensible not to get promoted at certain times because they don't want to spend a load more money to have to travel long, much longer distances yeah, um, just to compete. Yeah, exactly. Um, was this? Uh, and, another, another announcement that's been handed down, I thought it'd be useful, just that another RFU announcement this week, but nothing to do with, or is it Prem Rugby? I don't know. Uh, but Jack Knoll, £10,000 fine. What'd you make of that? Oh, God. I mean, look, do I think he should be mouthing off about referees? No, not really. Not with his platform. But do I say anything that the RFU do seriously? No, not really. <laughs> so, like, Jack Noll shouldn't have done it, but I, I just loathe the RFU so intensely that I, I, they have no authority in my mind. You know, they are not the ones that should be upholding the standards of the game because they have no standards. They're a morally and, corrupt organisation. So, And £10,000 <clears> is... Don't pay it. Just don't pay it. <laughs> I mean, we, we spoke... Well, they'll just... Um, I mean, that would be quite an interesting one. Don't pay it. Right, Jack, you're going to be on the bench for England. Uh, £18,000. We'll take £10,000 of it, and because you refuse to pay it, we'll take the extra um, £8,000. Well, like, so Jack Noll might or might not go to World Cup. I don't know, because I'm not entirely sure what Steve Borthwick thinks of him, and he was injured for the last one. Was he not? Not uh, World Cup, uh, England squad. Yeah, he certainly wasn't in the last England squad. Yeah. So, he's going to La Rochelle. Now... I just say I'm not. I'm not paying it, I'll, and then I'll speak to La Rochelle, uh, director of rugby. You, you'll pay me a lot of money to be here. I don't want to pay that stupid fine. Can you still play me? Yeah, probably. I mean, I'm sure there's. Yeah, more. yeah. It's like when um, Rob Shaw had a beer and they followed him with a spy. Like I'm going to America. Fuck off. <laughs> I, I, there's no way I would part with my money. There's just no way. That it seems so heavy-handed as well because we spoke about the the inconsistency in the application of that law. It's not even inconsistency. It's It's been consistently ap- applied for as long as any of us could remember except this one incident because of what happened to Carl Dixon previously, as you mentioned and last time. Can I just talk about Carl Dixon a second? Yes, please. I had my story confirmed. Mm. And my story is confirmed by members, well, people who were present at, at that meeting. So I thought it was right. Turns out I was absolutely spot on. Your guess Somewhere educated, educated. <laughs> I mean, it's one hell of a random guess, isn't it? it? Totally random guess. It, it totally random. And, guess. And, and a recap on what that was that you said, in case anyone doesn't uh, didn't listen to last week's podcast. Yeah, I'm amazed this hasn't got more traction actually as an, as a real story. Um, but what happened was Carl Dixon made a decision like this. Oh, this is remarkable. Listen to this. This is remarkable. Isn't there extra detail that that you can um, dwell on? Carl Dixon made the decision in the Harlequins-Bristol game, where Tom Whiteley made a tackle on Andre Esterhazen, crossing the line, and Andre Esterhazen knocked the ball on, or something like that. Basically, there was no try. Okay? So Tom Whiteley went off his feet, slid off his feet, and collided yeah. with Andre Esterhazen, who was also sliding yeah. off his feet, um, and Carl uh, Dixon gave it as a legitimate tackle, even though both bodies were on the floor. Yeah, Which is, I think, consistent with what we've seen in... Dozens of rugby games, rugby yeah. tackles over the last twenty years that we've all watched rugby. Exactly right. The commentators thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, the opposition coaches never mentioned anything about this. No one. No one except for some absolute busybodies in world rugby. <laughs> so Carl Dixon goes some conferency type thing in world rugby, and they criticise the decision. He stands his ground, and they said, "No, Carl, you're wrong." What the player needs to do is run to the try line, 
turn around and then try and, make, try and affect the tackle. And you think, like, who are all these people? Who are all these lunatics that we've let loose out of an asylum to run our game? But they, but they, they walk among us. Now, there, are, there, is, there is something in that where it's like, what, what's my alternative? In some scenarios, there are no alternatives. Mm. Like, for example, you can't tackle a man in the air. Like, there is, the alternative is uh, let him hit the ground and then hit, yeah. hit him afterwards. And that plays out like there are some scenarios where it is impossible to stop a try being scored. Yep. You have to let a try being scored. Otherwise, it's going to be a penalty try and a red card. Yep. Therefore, your best option is um, concede seven points rather than seven points and seven, a red card. Or five points in the corner. And the, the, the best example I can think of, I've never seen this happen in rugby union, but I think I've seen it in the NRL, is if someone jumps in goal, a crossfield kick that goes in goal, the attacking player jumps in goal, catches the ball in the air, and manages to get the ball down before any part of his body touches the ground, you can't stop that try. Really? Because you can't, well, you can't tackle him. Yeah. The, you're only, you could maybe try and knock the ball out of his hands sort of as, as he's going. But, it, I mean, it's going to be so fast. But that is, your options are basically risk taking him out in the air, red card and penalty try, or concede seven points. So if you ask a high are you, sure, are you sure about that, Phil? Hold on, just recap. So say, say this briefly, say the scenario again. So crossfield kick, thought. crossfield kick. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. It goes into no, the you're goal. Right. No, you're absolutely Attacking right. player jumps, catches the ball, and then kind of spins in the air, so the lowest part of his body, the first part that touches the floor, is the ball. Yeah, yeah. no, you're quite right. How yeah. about this one for an interesting little uh, nerdy ref thing, then? Go on. What What can you do or cannot or can't you do as a defensive player if a, a winger, let's say Radwan at the, at the weekend, that amazing try he scored, where a player leaps to, to touch the ball down? So you leap over somebody else? Well, you just leap, you just leap in the air to to put to put the ball down. Yeah, you're 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 airborne to place the ball. I actually asked a referee about this, and to, in my mind, it's completely illegal. But it, to to jump into yeah yeah. Well, this this is I pointed out last week. I think this is one of the clear inconsistencies, or the the well, law no, no, is no, not. I was just going to say, I I think. Well, I'm mean, oh, sorry. I think you're probably going to say. Um, I'm probably just cut across you completely unnecessarily because you're going to say effectively what would I'm going to say what will effectively back up your point. As I understand it, you can tackle that player because a tackle is only complete when a player's knee touches the floor. So if they voluntarily dive, oh no, hold on, but they they can't jump out of a tackle. Yeah, no, I'm getting and they have the ball right. So you might be getting confused with like there's a long pass and the player jumps in the air to get the pass. I think there's one in the lines, wasn't there, where an, an, the All Black prop made a tackle, or Sinclair tackled the prop, or something like that. Yeah, Sinclair and the, and the opposition prop, one of them is trying to catch a ball from a pass in the air, and he jumps, and he gets hit, right? So you can't do that. However, good luck trying to persuade a referee if you were to try and jump over the defence underneath the posts. They would have no time for that. Yeah, and this, this is one that either... You need to start applying the law. This was my exact point last week or the week before. Apply the law as written or change the way the law is written. Yeah. Don't just randomly start um, creating new precedent that's either 
contradictory to what everything that's gone before or all of a sudden starts following the law. That, that's what it is, isn't it? Oh, that looks good. We'll keep it. And actually, am I... It does... It, am it, I bothered with that? No, not overly. It's generally not dangerous. But here's the thing with Carl Dixon, right? Carl Dixon was left hanging out to dry. And it is strongly my opinion that in these meetings, if they are going to absolutely smash a referee, they should release... A, 100, a, 100%. Yeah, a press release saying... We annihilated Cole Dixon over this. The referee thought it was good, and we think it was bad for these reasons. And when Cole Dixon makes the next decision... Everyone can point back and say, well, yeah, ordinarily he would be wrong, but now we know why he is doing what he's told. You know, Cole Dixon got awfully treated by Twitter, um, which does matter. (laughs) He got awfully treated by World Rugby... I don't think anyone at the RFU, I've not seen any press statements saying Cole Dixon got it right. He's not been supported. That's th- that. I was thinking about this the other day. Ridiculous. That is what's the worst thing. That it, it 100% should be a statement saying, we ignore all the precedent that you've seen hundreds of times and think he's right. Yeah. This is how we are going to apply it in future. Yeah. Which is what they did when, but, with all of the, the Hive Tackle framework... It was, right, we're going to put out something that makes it clear. On this incident, the Carl Dixon slide along the floor, affect the tackle on the floor, we've had no such um, comment at all. We should have a statement. I really right. strongly think we should have one. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I was just going to say, that the thing I was getting confused with is the, in the air mm. is that um, having, watched, having watched that clip a couple of times since, one thing I spotted was... Uh, the tackle is only complete when a player's knee touches the floor. And yes. that's the point at which Ollie Woodburn is no longer allowed to play the player when the knee touches the floor. And when you, up until that point, Ollie Woodburn could quite legitimately hit the player because the tackle hasn't been completed. Yes. Um, but when you actually look at it, the, the, the time between the knee touching the floor and Ollie Woodburn making contact is, I'm not joking, a fraction of a part of a fraction of a fraction of a second. It's yeah. like almost the same time. Yeah. So he's already committed to the challenge. Yeah. So yeah. Because if who was it? It was Hogan Woodburn making the tackle on. God, I can't even remember now. Ashton. Ashton. Yeah, because it was to stop Ashton's hundredth try. I was say, did anyone think Aaron Reed committed any crimes stopping resummit? LRZ, yeah. Because I thought, this. why is this not the same? Um, LRZ was in the air, not on the floor, wasn't he? Yeah, hi. So that, but that's, the, that's my point around diving for a, to score a try is not measured, it's not uh, adjudicated as per the written word. Yeah. It's adjudicated on some other and like, by the way, series of properties, like, on precedent. There's so many other examples, like... Woodburn again. Remember when Woodburn jumped over N- N- Nandolo? No. Jumped, yeah, in the Champions Cup game, just jumped over him. <laughs> really? so, like Nandolo catches in midair like WWE and then Woodburn scores. So someone's broken a law there. I don't know what the law is. Someone's <laughs> broken a law, right? Uh, the other one was um, M. Pimpy and... Um, what's his name? Cor- Corabetti. Okay, one's yeah, jumping yeah. in the air, the other one's doing something else. They're both horribly illegal. I don't yeah. know what the outcome was. There's no arms. Everyone's jumping. Yeah, there's no arms. One's jumping. Like, what play is this? On. Play, just play on. Just play on. <laughs> but that's just, just jumping back to jumping back to Jack Noel a second. One of the reasons I feel especially aggrieved for him is that he was 
far from the only person tweeting their displeasure, even out of the professional players in the Premiership. He was the only one that was very... Um, he's really the only difference is lots of people wrote that is an absolute joke, uh, but didn't give specifics about what it was. Jack Knoll said that that is the worst refereeing decision I've ever seen, or something like that. Um, so I just reckon players can just get around it, say whatever you want, but have like a code word between yourselves, like, like a safety burger. word. Like that is the most horrendous burger I've I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, what a shocking, what a shocking burger, or whatever it is. They're all... Anything, just have a code and then you can say what you want. Do you know the Liz... Oh, I can't say this. I don't know why I even thought of saying that as a good idea. No, I won't say that. Um, Tell me off air. Oh, I'm intrigued, please. <laughs> Should I just go for it? Yeah, why not? Um, no, I can't. I can't. It's, no, there could be kids listening. There could be kids listening. Oh, okay. Can, okay. You, can, there was can a, you talk around it? Can yeah, you talk around it? It's like a code. There's an item of jewellery a very famous female politician used to wear to advertise a, a thing that she was into. <laughs> I can put two and two together. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's a good idea, Tim. Just be non-specific about your outrage. It could be a burger. It could be they're all into computer <laughs> games. It could be League of Legends or Fortnite or yeah. whatever you're playing. The kids play these days. Yeah, I mean, I actually think the person that should be up against um, a committee of some sort, the people that didn't support. Cole Dixon. Yeah, yeah. And I think the reason they didn't support Cole Dixon is because if those minutes were made public and the rugby viewing public knew what was said behind closed doors, which is a player has to run to the trying line, turn around and affect the tackle, they'd be left out of town and they'd lose their jobs because nobody wants that sort of person in charge. Mm. And that's the problem. Or probably more likely is that, that they sincerely thought that was the right thing to say uh, at the time in that meeting, yeah, and, and they own, they only changed their mind and realised how ridiculous it was when they saw the reaction of Tim, players and rugby fans. I'm 100 percent with you. I'm 100 percent with you that it may have well been sincere, and if it was, they especially need to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, well, that yeah. to me is like even worse because they don't because they don't understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah at totally. least if they well, were another thing. At least if they're insincere, they understand the game, but the incompetence. Yeah. Mm. Yes, I, I, I will go with you on that if that is the case. Mm. Now. Do you remember in the early days of the pod, and we're closing in on 10 years now, uh, the early days of the pod, do you remember what we called Luke Cowan Dickey? Mullet hyphen Dickey. Oh, yeah. Because he was the original rugby mullet. Uh, well, I doubt that. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he was definitely uh, one of the finest... Pioneers. Prof- yeah, pioneers in... Uh, South South Devon. South Devon. Like he's the first. He was the first guy in Devon to own a PlayStation, <laughs> and he's the first guy in Devon to have a crazy haircut. MHD. Anyway, we called him Mullet Hyphen Dicky. Maybe we need to call him Legend Hyphen Dicky from now on. Oh, this is bad. Is this the uh, kind of semi-breaking story of the rumours around his Montpellier <laughs> yeah. contract? So I have a story about a player and a contract. And I won't give specifics, but I know it to be true. I know it deeply to be true. Okay, I must say deeply. I don't really mean like Meghan Markle's deeply. It's not like my truth. <laughs> it is true. Okay, so there is a player somewhere in the Premiership that liked to party, and he had an existing contract with a club somewhere in 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 the Premiership, and he didn't show up for work. And this director of rugby said, "Look, we're not going to talk about this." However, you will sign this revised contract, and here, here, here is your new salary. And it was far, far below his actual <laughs> salary, and he had nowhere to go. So guess what he did? He signed his contract, right? 
Interesting. This Overnight, he had a massive pay cut. Now, if I'm Montpellier, I've spent a lot of money on Luke Cowan-Dickey, or about to spend a lot of money on Luke Cowan-Dickey, but he's out on the beers, and he misses a medical. I'm going to make a judgment. I'm going to say, do I want this guy? Yeah, I do. But I certainly don't want him as much as I used to, because... You know, your hook is a key, a key part, and mm-hmm. your English international Premiership winning and European Cup champion hooker is an especially key part. They're not assigning him to be a backup; they're signing him to win things, and you need the absolute best, best people. So he doesn't deserve the best salary if he's doing that sort of stuff. He doesn't deserve the best salary. I would not be surprised if Montpellier go back to him and say, "Look, here's your here's your new salary. Do you want that or not? Because if not, you, you're going to go into the Premiership for forty grand a year." <laughs> And the rumour, the rumour, as you just touched on, is that he missed the second day of his medical at Montpellier because he'd been on the lash. And to make this, uh, to plot uh, thicken the plot even more, he was on the lash and was both he and his agent were hungover, so they both missed it. Oh, my word. That's, these that's are, the rumour. Yeah, these are just rumours right oh now. Oh, my. But that is... It's it's not a good look. Although what I will say in uh, MHD's defence is, he's got um, a lot of examples of being hyper professional, both for Exeter when he's winning things and for England. But this, regardless, this is not a good look. If it's if, not a good if look. any of it is I, I, true, and I actually don't doubt, I don't doubt his professionalism. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to say really is, you know, there is a game to be played between the clubs who dish out the money and the responsibility that those managers have to their owners to spend the salary cut wisely. If I can knock 10% or 20% mm. off Luke Cowan Dickey's salary, you should do that, I guess. That's your responsibility. Because I don't think he's got anywhere else to go unless he goes somewhere else in France. Well, it, de- it depends. Because my guess is on the, your other example, that would be, they categorise it as a significant breach of contract. Yeah. It depends where this falls, i.e. They, they've, within their rights to totally rip up that contract. Does this uh, missing a medical when you're not a Montpellier player? Does it? Um, well, have they signed a contract? Yes or no? Uh, Do you sign a contract before the medical? Probably not. You probably signed like heads of terms or you, yeah. I might just subject, be, subject to medical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he might not have a contract. In which case, it's fair game. If he's got a contract, is it sufficient to rip it up and start again? Probably not. But you never know. Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, these are the games I think people people play with salary cups all the time. Oh, yeah, and there'll be players... I guess it will push players when there's uh, less money going around the same number of players or less... Yeah, definitely, it's less money going around the same number of players yeah. because there's fewer teams and the money is lowered. And I guarantee, I guarantee there's no one in the Premiership with the salary cup room available to so sign him at the amount he'll get at Montpellier. Oh, oh, definitely not. No, no one will be able to do that. And he can't. And maybe this is a real problem for. Or they, there might be like Newcastle might have a much headroom, but they don't have the cash. Yeah, and they don't. And, have they, the and they won't. Yeah, they won't want to spend it. So they're never going to do it. So like maybe this is an example of a weakness in the Premiership, because do they want to keep English players in the Premiership or not? The answer is yes, they do. But of course, even if a Premiership team said that is our missing piece. They can't even make him the marquee player. No, no. So he can't come back for big bucks anyway. No, no. Uh, my guess is Montpellier give him a reduced deal, or he grovels, or he goes to somewhere else in France. Or Japan. Or Japan. 
Yeah. But the the bit that will be really interesting is so England are losing all this talent. Um they've not been doing particularly well in Six Nations and um other games, shall we say, internationals since the last World Cup. Um that is going to continue that performance. When does the RFU say okay, enough's enough, we've got to have a Gitto law or Gatlin's law or something, we've got to relax their um, selection policy. But when they do that, these players will be worth less to the French clubs. Because if if Luke Carandicki is only going to play uh, 12 games a season or 14 games a season for Montpellier, mm. he's not worth 400k, he's worth 300k. Yeah, but they mess out on all those camps, don't they? They do. So that I mean that's the other point. I mean, they don't have the release clauses. They'll he'll be there for the bare minimum. It would be Jack Willis. Time. Jack Willis did it this year. Yeah. So so it's, but it, it does mean they are they're still missing, whatever it is. Ten, question, right? ten games a season for the for their club. But 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 it is a good question. What is the value of an international? So we know under the salary cap, it's much lower. We know for England clubs, English clubs, it's just not worth it. Like Corny Law is a great player. Just not worth it. Unless you get to the the playoffs, why would you have him on your books? Cost of well, fortune. And that, that is the problem. Yep. That if you can guarantee you're going to be top four every year, the England players are worth it. Yep. If you can't guarantee it, and like look at the look at how stacked Quinns are, for example, mm. how much talent they've got. Nope. Um, Exeter, a couple of years ago, you would have thought, said it's unthinkable that they don't make top four. Nope. Yep. Um, so, it's you. You need the full squad all year round. So, just going back to that, then. and France is no different. You look at the teams who are in sixth, seventh, eighth positions in France, who are going to be missing out on the playoffs. They are. There's some big teams. But the other point to this I was going to make is the, those French top fourteen teams are selling out football stadiums now. Mm. Thirty thousand, twenty five thousand. You know, fairly regularly. The Premiership could only dream of doing that. So. Is there a benefit of having Luke Aaron Dickey, current England international, current Lions, uh, Lions player, in your team? Maybe there is if your goal is to attract thirty to 40,000 people to a football stadium. Maybe there is actual a different benefit to, the, to these French clubs because it's not like the salary cap is really hindering them. Yeah, maybe. I guess my point is he is worth less to that club. Yeah. Uh, if, he's, if he's on a three-year deal and one year into that deal they flip him to be ineligible for England, he misses 10 games, he is worth less to Montpellier. Yeah, I'm just amazed how quickly this has happened. So my prediction was that the, the economic power of the French clubs would soon force the hand of the English clubs. I said that 18 months ago. I thought this is a five-year process. I did not think it was a two-year now. process. Yeah, And it is upon us right now. And I, the only option for the RFU is going to be central contracts, and even they will run out of steam at some point because those central contracts will have to be paid from somewhere at the expense of something else, mm-hmm. they're going to have no. They're going to have no club game, as in professional club game. I think that's already ruined. I, don't, I can't see any way back for the Premiership. I think it's done. Um, the next five years, it, I, it's going to have to. It, it, it's going to have to go bankrupt. There's no. There's no way. I, I can't see a way out for it. Can I, you? I can't. I can't see a way for it being going back to the top. That is in. Competitive. I, even, I, I think it's a downward trend. I can't even see a way for it to survive, if I'm honest. This, this conversation could be about the the economy or about the Premiership. I think the Go two on. are destined for the same thing. They're gonna 
they're going to rally, give the appearance that it's all right, but ultimately there is an iceberg ahead, and at some point it's going to sink. Yeah, I think maybe the big difference between the economy and uh, rugby at the moment is that you know, I, <laughs> the, the, the iceberg is some point in the future for the economy. What's happening to Premiership is happening right now. You know, we could have a situation, right, where London Irish made top four today or were very close to making top four. And no longer exist. And no longer exist. Yeah, they... I mean, they're on the brink. Newcastle are 100... I mean, maybe they're cutting their costs so they so... stay relevant. But Newcastle might be the future model of what all clubs look like. Yeah, race to the bottom. Yeah. Because you, you get your... But it's the tragedy of the commons. If If all clubs race to the bottom like that, then the product falls off a cliff yep then the BT sport money falls yep. off a cliff then everyone's only spending one million but they're, they're not even taking that in TV money or revenue through the gates no. there's only one element of the game which I can say is truly positive and that is the effect of the salary cap on the way that the clubs are developing I think the coaching is great I think the refereeing is great everything else is awful <laughs> like the, the money like the numbers are awful the squad composition is awful uh, it's going to get worse, and I you say, Phil, when that, when everything turns into Newcastle, who's going to watch it? It is if there's no relegation, it, the sensible option is to race to the bottom and hope other teams do the heavy lifting to keep the TV money high. Mm. So if you spend one million, but you're getting four million a year in TV money, yeah. that's the dream. If you're spending five million and you're only getting three million of TV money, you're just losing money every year. You, you know, need a rich might benefactor. Even, it might even be worth pulling out of Europe which sounds mental, but I'll tell you why. Because you can sort of give a veneer of competitiveness or entertainment by playing each other all the time. So, like, if I watch... Pre- prex, pre- Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Brexit. Yeah, Brexit, right? So like, if I watch that one right now, I think I'd be really impressed with that one. I think if, yeah, yeah. if that one was the highest on the rugby in the country and it just existed in isolation, I think I could love that league and I think it'd be really good. Yeah. But when Great. they go to Europe and they get smashed by 70 points... By the Pro de Deux or Pro 3 or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Newcastle are a, a Pro de Deux team. I think they get smashed in Pro de Deux. Pro- <laughs> you know, so... I don't, I, can I just say just one thing? I, I cringe a little bit when English people say... Pro de deux. Pro de like deux. Pro de pro de two. Pro de two. No, no. Coffers is pro. Coffers is pro de deux. I feel awkward going to a baker's and saying the word croissant. 
Just, <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> How do you say it? Can I have a butter rolled pastry, please? <laughs> yeah. I just have an asshole. A bow like, shape. Don't, don't like saying it. Can I have a... <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, oh, can I can I can I flip the script and give like a positive uh, yes. story? Yes, please. Uh, King's Home. I bloody love Gloucester. Isn't rugby. it cool? I love Gloucester Rugby Club. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that one, mate. With you on that one completely. It's, it's so much to love. It's the fact that, that even when their team are ninth and have just completely shat the bed on their playoff ambitions, the shed is still packed. 45 minutes an hour before kickoff. It's so cool there. The fans are still loud as you like, cheer, desperately cheering for their team. The relationship between the players and their team, as long as they see the lads out on the pitch are, are kind of putting in effort, then actually it doesn't matter whether they're, obviously they want them to win, but it doesn't matter whether they're first or last in the table. And it, yeah, it's just a special, special place. And actually there was no lack of effort and Gloucester will probably have been... Kept, wouldn't have got to sleep very well last night because they'd have been thinking about the chances that they messed up. Yeah, I, I think that, I think more than any other club, certainly the clubs that I've interacted with, I think the Gloucester players and Gloucester fans are very close. And I think because it's like a, how do I say, Gloucester's not the most affluent town. If you go there, it just isn't. But I think there's that sort of working class vibe that runs through the club. So it makes it fairly yeah. fairly unique compared to, I don't know, Harlequins or Bath <laughs> or any of these other sides. And I, th- I think that's sort of reflected in the players. Uh, I find Gloucester players in particular incredibly approachable. I mean, when I went last time, I did go, oh, I, I sat with Jamal Ford Robinson. But, you know, I was chatting to Freddie, Freddie Clark, chatting to uh, quite a few of them. And they're just much more, they're not much more appro- approachable, but it's just a different vibe you get from get from those players. Uh, it's hard to explain, but yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I think it's something to do with how much the fans care, like that area. It's a, it's a very, very cool place to, to watch rugby. I would recommend it to anyone. And I think one of the reasons you know it's cool is because how many opposition fans hate them. Hmm. Really? Yeah, yeah, they don't like Interesting. it. Interesting. So uh, Saracens are one. I mean, they, I mean, Saracens got very upset with the booing of the kicker and all sorts of stuff like that. Oh, yeah. yeah but like, that. so what? Get a grip. You're like a professional sports team. Get a grip. Um, and also another positive story, Jersey Reds. Yes. I had a beer with the Jersey Reds number eight. When? Uh, two weeks ago. In Holland or in uh, France? When you, you've got such a jet set, set lifestyle. I'm, I'm, like a, I'm like a pound shop Tim, Tim Cocker. <laughs> when I was in Hebden Bridge and then... Uh, in Snowdonia, you were in Holland in, and the, one of the most luxurious ski resorts in, in France, in Europe. Uh, his name is Tim Gray. Plays number eight or back row for Jersey. I don't know if he played this played this week, but he is a product of RGC. So I was ah. out with friend of the pro, friend of the pod, and past barbarian Brim, Brim Williams. Big mm, Bruno. We bumped into him. We had a, a great chat about Jersey rugby. So uh, yeah, I was even though. Uh, I have no real uh, dog in dog in the fight. I was seriously backing uh, Jersey this week. And but, well, someone else who just again pointed out that we probably should have mentioned this on last week's pod. This game, Jersey versus Ealing at the top of the championship. Uh, nothing but pride and bragging rights because of the RFU's and Prem Rugby's decision to uh, 
have to have a 10,000 capacity stadium uh, when when there was, you know, there's clubs in the Premiership already with a few thousand in, in there, but that's a different matter altogether. But Matt Cotton, who writes for the Times, listens to the pod, um, all-round good guy. And actually, I, I, I do like his columns on a Friday. They're quite, uh, in fact... A bit of levity. He sneaks, he, yeah, a bit of... Bit of levity in rugby, but he also sneaks in little pod references every now and again into his Times columns. The one on Gloucester the other week about next year being Gloucester's year. That's the one. Uh, and one like that. I quite enjoyed. Um, well, Stephen, Stephen he, Jones said that they're, that they're only two players away from competing. I know three players away, but I wonder where he got the concept from. <laughs> anyway, it was back, Matt Cotton said that, yeah, we should have had our eyes on, on that game and it's the biggest match of the weekend. And Despite there being no promotion relegation, I agree. Unfair play jersey. Yeah, good win that. Yeah, great. There, win. There's one club because of the financial uh, situation who could actually be a sustainable rugby club at the top level. Jersey, jersey, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends what they're spending now, doesn't it? I, mean, I, I, I well, don't know. The answer is I do not know. Point being, they could spend like thirty percent less and get the same quality of squad as the rest of the Premiership. Well. Why'd you say that? Tax levels. Because tax levels. Ah, I understand. Yeah. Yeah, good. Good. It's like if there was a uh, Premiership rugby team in Dubai. Yeah, but do they have to live in Jersey? Uh, It'd be pretty tricky to trade, like fly in, fly out. Yeah, the reason I say that is like, you have to be resident in Jersey, right? Yeah, yeah. So, presumably, in the off-season, your holidays, you don't want to be spending too many days in the UK. Because you no longer get day of arrival and day of leaving as part of part of, part of your part of your allowance, so you would have to be very very careful about not being in the UK for too long. You'd then suffer UK tax rates. Yes, but as long as you can manage that, just go go to France. It's closer. Yeah, true. Oh, just employ French players. Yeah, I mean, there's loads of them. They're only over the other side, mind you. You don't have the yeah, tough one. But Jersey have got quite. A few interesting players that have sort of come from that small island. Uh, Matt Banahan would be one. Yep. Um, I'll give you another one. Le Bourgeois. Is he from there? I'm sure he's Michael Le Bourgeois is. With that name. Uh, Yes, yes, I think you're right. And Guy Guy Thompson. Now, was he. Did he just. Because there's players who've played for Jersey. Guy Thompson's definitely from Jersey. Born and raised in Jersey. I think so. You can always tell the ones the ones that have like m- multiple different well the ones that can play for any home nation. Yeah, yeah. Banahan, the one with yachts. Banner's one. Yeah, the the ones with yachts. So, Michael Le Bourgeois, born in Jersey. Guy Thompson, born Hereford. Oh, really? Uh, uh, Bishops okay. of Hereford School and then Bromsgrove School. Oh, you know, I'm sure he's from Jersey, but maybe not. In- yeah, he did so play for Jersey. He played, yeah, he's, yeah he, he's one of those who played for Jersey before going on to others, but wasn't from his, Jersey. His career was strange. So I didn't think he was very good at Wasps. I thought he was excellent for Tigers. And then no one wanted him in the Premiership, and I couldn't believe that. Mm. He got to kind of 33 and no one wanted him. Yeah, and I thought he was one of the best ball carriers in the entire Premiership, at, like when he retired. Mm. I, I I kind of always liked it. Wasp, both Wasps and Leicester. I thought he was always... Very handy. I, he played against Toulon once, and uh, Freddie Freddie Mishlak dump, uh, dump tackled him. <laughs> and I thought I could run over Freddie Mishlak. 
Michelin. There's no excuse for professional number eight not to run over Freddie <laughs> Michelin. He wasn't the I'll biggest what, number I, eight. And I just, I've just never been able to shake that. It's probably <laughs> fair, but I could never shake that image. <laughs> JB, you've just opened the door to uh, by mentioning Toulon. Just suddenly thought, being as we just corrected a mistake from last week, not mentioning Jersey versus Ealing, mm-hmm. we should really mention the Champions Cup semi-finals. And potentially, in that game in Dublin, Leinster versus Toulouse, it has the potential to be the greatest European game ever. Ever? It has that You've got the world's best player, maybe the player that will go down as the greatest ever rugby player on one team. Uh, with, each, with the champ <laughs> with the champions <laughs> with the champions of Europe. And then you have the all conquering world number one filling Leinster team. Mm, interesting. I think that Toulouse batter them. Wow. I really do. I really Toulouse are massive. I I, I don't think Leinster see many teams like Toulouse. The Irish victory in the Six Nations means, again, they've not really faced the hardship that they need to, and Toulouse are not playing games. I mean, they have. They did face some hardship to get there, to to win the Six Nations. Yeah, but they basically destroyed everybody. I mean, they weren't... When, were they, when did they really find themselves under pressure? That first half against France. First half against France. Yeah. They were under a lot of... That was a hell of a first half. Um... In terms of a spectacle for a neutral, the first half was absolutely incredible. In terms of the spectacle for an Ireland fan, the second half was incredible because they just suffocated. Yeah. There is there's a saying in, I think, uh, either jiu-jitsu or MMA, which is, how do you turn a brown be- a black belt into a, into a brown belt? You punch him in the nose. Right? And it's going to be very interesting to see how Leinster deal with their line, not necessarily being broken, but being consistently bent. By big man after big man, you know, just 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 challenging them continuously, and to lose off full of enormous men, it's going to be so difficult, so so mm. difficult. And I don't think you see this challenge when you play the Scarlets or whoever else it may be. I just think they're, the they, Sharks. Yeah, but didn't they lose the Sharks the in Bulls? in in the semis? And they also they did, they did lose. I can't remember. If it was, was it Sharks or Stormers? It was, lost, a, it was the Sharks v Stormers, I think, was the yeah. final last year. So, you know, they've come and stuck before doing stuff like this. Mind you, that was one of the luckiest games of rugby ever, that semi-final. And it's the kind of thing, they have, they've fallen at this hurdle once before. Well, well they've after, not won it for 11 years. What? Or they've won it once. Uh, once, they won it in 2019, 18. Have they won it once in 11 years, Leinster? I wouldn't yeah. be batting my house on Leinster winning this, even if they're slight favourites. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet my house on it. Just you were talking then as if it's going to be impossible. I think it's. I think Leinster are in it my is, mind. Yeah. I, in my mind, Leinster are sixty to forty favourites in this. Play it ten times. Leicester win six of them. Uh, to lose, win four of them. Yeah, I mean, where are? It's just so hard. Yeah, Dupont is such a class act. That pack is so enormous. I mean, the Leinster pack isn't small. By any stretch, they're very well oiled. I just don't know. Can they settle into their systems? Can they play the game that they want to? It's to lose. It's going to be very, very difficult. And then you've got like people like Entomac, who are just coming into their prime now. Uh, Entomac and the guy I think is, oh, is more important is Ramos. Jesus, I, th- I think Ramos is because because he does so much because he 
kicks, he plays second receiver, he controls the game, and he scores tries. Yeah, I mean, I'm not overly enamoured by you know Peter Aki and the, like, the various centre combos that they put out. And I am pretty enamoured by Leinster's centre combos, particularly Ring Rose. I mean, Ring Rose is different level good. Yeah. It's gonna, it is going to be a good game, but I just think big men, you just don't beat big men. They're just very, very hard to beat. Unless you've got lots of big men. Yeah. So La Rochelle to lose to me seem like the two obvious candidates to win this thing. Mm. But that's how I also I've got a little bit of confirmation bias because that's how I like my rugby played. So <laughs> you know, and you've said repeatedly that Leinster, well, the Irish-based Leinster players can have one thing; they can't have three things or four things. They can have either the Six Nations, the Pro Fourteen, the or URC, whatever it's called, yep. um, the Champions Cup or the World Cup. They, they can't, can't have all four. They won. They, they won the first one, so that means they're going to lose the next three. Exactly. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. The, the six- or, or if Leinster do win the Champions Cup, it means Ireland aren't even getting out of the pool at the World Cup, let alone a quarterfinal. I doubt it. I doubt it. <laughs> Not winning a single game. They they might win. They, you're right. They, they might win uh, one of the next two, let's say URC or the Champions Cup, but then they can kiss any hopes of doing anything in the the yeah. World Cup I mean, goodbye they'll lose to Namibia or whoever else is whoever the uh, dead rubber is in their gate I mean, on, on a serious note now on a very serious note we've all been parts of winning teams uh, you know, I've been part of a team which has been winning at say level 7 and we've, we didn't lose a game at home since like 20, 2019 and when you are all of a sudden losing you kind of don't understand what you need to do it's a really jarring kind of feeling. And that feeling isn't be That's just a natural human feeling. Mm-hmm. So if Leinster find themselves behind, who are they looking to? Or when is their last recent experience of digging themselves out of a hole against an absolutely world-class opposition? And that's the difficult part. Mm. So you know, if they get ahead early, I, I suspect they could easily carry on scoring. But if they don't, that's when they're going to have problems. So your prediction is... To lose. To lose. Tim? Uh, I think Leinster. And I'm, as I said before, 64. I think Leinster are slight favourites. Home advantage will do them well. They they have seen some, although not all, of this France team with some, although not all, of this Leinster team, slightly more of this Leinster team, a few weeks ago, and uh, Ireland beat France. So that's, that's not a bad test, I think. Did you notice the Leinster score this weekend? Uh, 77-6. Yeah, their third, their third third, or fourth team. Did they get hammered? Who were they playing? Absolutely battered it. Bulls in South Africa. Oh, okay. So they sent the kids. They've, they've, I mean, their kids normally do them pretty proud, but uh, evidently they got... Oh, God, 62-7, yeah. Oof. Wow. Oof. Yeah. Tough one, that. that. That is a tough one. Uh, do you know, I I really enjoy the South African teams. It is one of the few areas of rugby that I'm genuinely very interested in now, is the South African teams. I I, I shouldn't be. I, I resented it to start with, but they are interesting. They are interesting. Like the, 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 the men, just the size of the men that they can put <laughs> on the field for a start. You know, the quality of players that are coming back to South Africa. It, if you're a South African rugby fan, you've got to be so excited about who, this. Who did I see... Oh, was it the Lions? Um, what's his called? Willem Alberts. Uh, I know it was playing 
Yes, for the Lions. Oh, Alberts. Yeah. That's a name I've not heard for a long time. I know. He played in second row. Uh, he played... At 38. Bloody for the, hell. For the Lions. Now, he must be... Look him up. I'm going to go with 140 kilograms. Uh, so, I'm sure I checked this out. He's listed at lower than that. Uh, but, let me just do it now. So, he's listed at 6'4". Is uh, that all he is? Uh, Has he played prop as well? Six three and a half, according to this. He's not. I don't think he's played prop. I think he might have played prop. You know, listed a flanker slash lock. Six three and a half, and he's listed at one hundred and twenty kilos. No, I think. No, I think at thirty eight he might be above one hundred and twenty kilos because I'm, I'm sure that was. I'm sure he's always above one hundred and twenty kilos when I've I seen him play. I'm sure, like schoolboy levels, and he has played prop. I'm sure he has. It seeded into my mind. Oh, he went to France for years, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Hmm. He was... Uh, let's have a look at it here. Stade Francais. Five years. He's only five years, actually, at Stade Francais. Wow. Yeah, so they're all sort of slowly returning, and it's uh, it's mega to see. It is mega to see. Mm. That's a 38-year-old man. Uh, just um, jumping across, though, uh, just things we've got to touch on. Bath. Bath are good. Bath are all right. Look but, at them. Could qualify for Europe. Bath. I mean, the the turnaround in Bath, I mean, I take it all back, apart from when I've said their best players have been brought in this season, which is 100% true. <laughs> uh, but they they are actually looking like not the worst team in the league, which I is called it. high praise indeed. You did. You, and I, I laughed. I said, no chance. They are awful. Absolutely dreadful. Um, now they do massively rely on Ollie Lawrence. Yeah, a um, little bit less so in this game on Ted Hill, uh, but Ollie Lawrence is so so important to them. Um, but they they won- they deserve to win. They were they put in a good performance against Quinns, and Quinns looked a bit. And it's funny when you were watching the preview uh, before the match. I think it was Austin Healy pointed out that. Bath, the Bath team all look serious, like they were taking this game 100% seriously. Harley Quinns, they were at Twickenham, they were laughing and joking, smiles on their faces, which is on one hand good to see, but also it did not look like they were taking the game seriously. They were looking at the right, it's not, yeah. the occasion, and it did, like, genuinely, I had that kind of ringing in my ears as I was watching it, and it did come across as kind of true. Maybe it's just confirmation bias because I'd just been told it, but you could believe it that Quinns were not as up for this game as Bath were. Well, what was there left for them to do, really? The Quinns, yeah. By the, by the, just by the way, you mentioned it then. I, I have to say, uh, so I've had a couple of recent trips to Newcastle to work, and I've worked with Austin Healy, and we've both stayed at the same hotel. There are very few people I would want to sit in a bar with and just have them tell me stories. He's got <laughs> some incredible stories. He's so good. I, I'll fill you in on some of them oh, um, another time. Do I, I, I would love to hear them. I think of the kind of regular commentators or co-commentators or cooler guy, whatever you want to call that kind of group of uh, Delalio... Pundit? Ben K- yeah, Pundit's probably the better. Of Ugo, Delalio, Ben K, Austin, Austin Healy is... All great guys. They're, yeah, yeah. They're, they're all great guys, no doubt. Uh, and all your colleagues, Tim. Austin is the best one. Austin 
constantly just he just seems to understand and care about the game that little bit more. Yeah, I agree with that. Like he He's another one, isn't he? He gets so much abuse, so much abuse for being good. Like he's just right. He is so often he is right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's this weird account which represents the ambulance service of 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 London of all teams, and they just loathe him. Like, how can you? You know, it is one thing to say I don't like his character. I guess, which is not an opinion that that I share. It's a completely other thing to say he's not good at his job. He is he's, the best. He, he, I really by a think, mile, I really do think he is the best. By a mile of that he, class, he also he also gets a load of stick for being independently wealthy. What what people don't <laughs> what please give me what that stick one day. Is that, <laughs> yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to be getting that stick. Yeah, um, so he gets a stick for being independently wealthy, but people don't realise, and people assume that he has come from some sort of traditional upper class rugby playing background. He's the first person in his family to play rugby. It's from the Wirral. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, rugby is played in the Wirral, I might add. But yeah, yeah. I, I completely, okay. get, completely get that. Yeah. Anyway, some of the, some of the stories he told were just absolutely dynamite. So, I 100% yeah. believe that. I love a beer with us. Give me a second. So I'm trying to work out what my one at max uh, back squat should be tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> what 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 do your calculations lead you to? Well, I did a five at max the other day of one sixty, which isn't particularly high. That is pretty high. So I'll need Mate, the, I love the humble brag. <laughs> so I need oh. I did a medi- I did a mediocre one sixty. Yeah, it's it, it's not good enough that is it's simply not good enough. <laughs> I can't remember who Just just hold just holding that much on your back it, t- it takes it out of you. Yeah, he, someone I, told me today, right? This is unbelievable. Someone told me today. The only reason I don't like the new tackle law is because it means I'm going to have to get fitter. Like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> there is so much misinformation about what this tackle law will actually do. I do like um, you'll be uh, your humble brag there, JB. Um, I can't remember who, where I read this or who pointed it out, but this um, trend in, in seeming all sportsmen um, and perhaps women uh, of saying. I'm incredibly humbled by, like, the most amazing, like, the opposite, <laughs> an achievement is, like, I'm so humbled to be named the best player of all time. Like, that's, it's the, it's the, opposite, it's the opposite. opposite. Yeah, like, you, exactly. you literally want to work, the word you're looking for, the adjective you're looking for is the opposite of humble. <laughs> no, no, the best one is, um, I just want to thank God. What do you mean want to thank God? What, he chose you and not me? You're, you're somehow better in God's eyes than me, and that's why you win the Super Bowl. Kind of, what, one of the funniest things to watch at the minute are the celebrities getting, having their blue ticks taken off and then put back on. And it is just revealed, the, what's, what's the right word? How vapid yeah. and, and narcissistic celebrities are is really funny to watch. Yeah, people go wild about my my blue tick. I pay for it. I pay for it, right? And so do I, because I believe in pay, paying for services that I use. <laughs> like, I find it bizarre. Do you know what? People say, Yo, sure, can you give me some mates rates? Like, don't get me wrong. I do appreciate it. But if it is really your friend, should you not be paying them the full, the full, market, yeah. full rate for their services? You know, so like any service I use, I want to pay the market rate for the service. And also, I don't know if you've noticed this. I'm kind of dyslexic. Editing my tweets is worth £12 a tweet, let alone, <laughs> let, let alone £12 a month. Bargain. 
Absolute bargain. <laughs> Couldn't be more of a bargain, quite frankly. Oh, dear. Mm. Oh, so, well. Yeah, very good. Quinn's, Quinn's really bad. I'm trying to just rattle through yeah, other games. Quinn's, no, that's... Quinn's did a few bits. Exeter. Exeter, Daffod Jenkin, red card after less than 20 minutes. Um, yeah. Bristol score shortly thereafter, and you think oh, it's going to be a tough day at the office for Exeter. They, they came through. They won the game. They got their pick and go game going big time, and they won this with fourteen men against Bristol's fifteen for the whole game. Fair play, Exeter. Right, I think it's important now because we missed this. There is another European game, and it's Exeter, Arochelle. Good point. So I just said in in, in the last breakdown, big men win rugby games. They, well, they don't, and uh, therefore I think Exeter will beat. Beat beat, beat beat La Rochelle. Skill and guile always defeat <laughs> always defeats massive men. I've been consistent saying this for a long, long time. <laughs> I do not see a single way that Exeter get out of this hole. Do you? It's very hard. No. They've they've got to hope that it's they've got to kind of conjure the spirit of the team. Many of the players who are still there that won them everything over the last few years. Um, they've got to try and bring that to the fore. Um, but I'm, and Phil, just say the word no. no. And also, there's no chance. And also hope that their best players, who some of whom, well, one in particular, Stuart Hogg, who is perhaps past it, uh, no, for for eighty minutes is not past it, and is one hundred percent focused on beating La Rochelle and playing well, as he was in his prime 10 years ago rather than just having hair transplants and teeth transplants and yeah. his future career. Okay, so uh, let's try and build a case for, for Exeter because ultimately it's easy to say no, but they are European Cup semi-finalists and that that takes some doing. One way or another, it takes some doing. It does. And they smashed the Stormers. Uh, they did. I mean, they annihilated them. Yeah, they so, took, took them apart. Little bits of luck. Um, Stormers having a short turnaround and having to travel X thousand miles, but regardless, they, they still had to, yeah. they still had to do it. And the Stormers are still a bloody good team. Okay, where are they playing this? Uh, it's away in France, isn't it? Bordeaux it is, isn't it? Bordeaux is it a neutral yes. venue? A neutral venue. Yeah, yeah, but Bordeaux, which is down the Atlantic coast. Okay, so okay, so like the back stack up quite nicely, don't they? Slade is a, a, a quality operator. Hog can roll back the years. Woodburn, no. Lovely. Lovely. So far, competitive. Yeah. I don't know what they do at halfback. Their halfbacks are not the top, top end. And I don't know what they do at 12. Did they go with Witten? I probably would. Yeah, Cater, if he's in, if he's fit. Cater is, well, he's got the most yards, in, I think most yards or most line bricks in the Premiership. So if he's around... Well, one more time, let's get the diminutive Ian Witten and the giant Tom Hendrickson together so we can watch the floor to decide who's biggest. Get the band back together. <laughs> I completely agree with that. <sighs> as nice as those back sound, or some of those back sound, it's not going to be one there. So No, it's not going to be one there. They need an early red card to a La Rochelle player and then another red card to a La Rochelle player and then a <laughs> shocking refereeing decision and then... Rob Baxter to, uh, sorry, Ronan O'Gara to do a big streak across the pitch. Well, there is a blueprint of what you might want to do against and a, su- and a tsunami to just cause a distraction. I don't know. So well, it's okay. not going to happen. So we've got two recent games. Just not going to happen. La Rochelle, with two very different outcomes. 
Gloucester and Saracens. Yeah. yeah. Gloucester, unbelievably, not unbelievably, but Gloucester were by far more tactically successful team. So how do Exeter take yeah, the Gloucester model? And also, I'm going to bring up another game. Ulster should have beaten La Rochelle. Yeah. Oh. Now, do you know which coach is nobody's fool? Uh, Rob Baxter. Rob Baxter. Rob Baxter. So yeah. if you think he's not watched yeah. both these games in detail, he'll have something up his sleeve. I don't know what that... I mean, yeah. it, it might be worthless because he might get pumped in the scrum, concede penalties, everything gets kicked, they're then chasing the game, they then concede the ship a load of points. But also, it might be great. I, I don't know. The scrum is a bit of a worry. Such a worry, because Exeter have not been scrummaging well. No. They're not scrummaged that well for... Ages. Few, yeah. Like, if you remember, is it the Premiership final, first scrum? I can't remember who... Was it the Premiership final? Was it, it might have been Bath Saracens, actually, I'm thinking of. But I'm sure Exeter had a scrum, which lasted like 60 seconds. And they just stood there in the centre of the field with the pressure too great to perform the strike. And like neither team wanted to give up yeah. and they just stood there in this unbelievable scrum not moving was that That's when uh, all of the exits of front row uh, was like on the cusp of England call ups yeah so Mulhyphen Dickey Harry Williams Moon and or Hepburn yeah something like all that all at the same time and they would just oh it was although do you know what I actually think it was Bath because we interviewed Rob Webber in the pub god that's going back a God, that's going back quite a few years. And I seem to I remember asking him about that as if he was there, which means it'd be Bath Saracens. But I'm sure it was Exeter. Uh, there's been many scrums over the years. There have been many scrums. There's been lots of scrums over lots of games. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's zoom back out um, for a second. Find me that one scrum. <laughs> My favourite scrum Anything of all time. Anything else? <laughs> any more for any more? On scrums? <laughs> on anything <laughs> oh I'll, I'll say one thing the um, uh, Rafi Quirks Broughton Park under 15s mm-hmm. were on their little kind of weekend away up on the Fylde coast oh lovely how did that go and uh, I, well I couldn't be there because I was I was down in Gloucester watching uh, Gloucester be sale and so I got Rafi I went out onto the pitch before the game and fair play to Rafi Quirk of Broughton Park, he, he did a little video which I then WhatsApp to the boys. Awesome! Loved. Oh, nice. That is cool. So Ruffy Quirk, cool. so Ruffy Quirk's Broughton Park played. Ruffy Quirk plays for Gus Wars Sale Sharks. Is that, is that the same guy? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it's Will Sale Sharks for now. Ruffy Quirk, look, what Ruffy Quirk is looking sharper and sharper, like he's getting back to peak Ruffy. So Good. keep an eye on him. But so yeah, Gus Wars. Gus Wars. I just want to go back to Gus Wars. So there is a Netflix series been made about, could, about Gus War. Of Gus War, right? Wow. They are desperate. Of a, either this season or next season, right? So Netflix are involved with rugby. There is going to be a Netflix-style thing. Is this Six Nations? No, it's for the Premiership. Right? So I've heard about the Six Nation one. No, it's the let Premiership me, Let me well. just check my messages. Anyway, make your point. It's a, it's a Netflix-style yeah, yeah. thing. It's not Netflix. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh no, you're right. They're trying to sell it to Netflix, aren't they? Ah, yes. yes. Thank you, Tim. So, yeah, that. Just give me a second. Uh, okay, fine. Um, which you might see me on, FYI. Uh, oh, yeah. interesting. So, anyway, if they were going to make that documentary for this year, do you know the person that I would speak about as a absolutely brilliant story would be Gus War. 
Yeah, particularly yeah. if Sale Sharks win this competition. Yeah, and they're one of the, they're in the top two favourites. I, I would say to do so, if not the favourite. It'll be no small thing down to him. Yeah, yeah. Because he's the starting nine. And yeah. it is a remarkable achievement, which I, just nobody's really talking about. This young kid, in his first real start for a top team, is guiding them to the Premiership. And to be well, fair at to this him, point, people weren't talking about earlier in the season, but they have been. Like, when people are coming up with teams of the season and stuff, he's regularly being mentioned why didn't by they a do, lot of people. Why didn't they listen to me at the start of the season? Mm. Well, that's fine. Well, yeah, we'll yeah. Listen to the podcast now. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's that, and of course, I think <laughs> I'm not just saying this for comedy value, but Rob Dupree, best ten in the league for most oh, of the 100%. year. I mean, like he, he should be, but he should be fly half in the team of the season. <coughs> it's crazy, isn't it? All, uh, all thirteen, all thirteen. No, he has to play thirteen because that means for next year's uh, team of the season, he'll be the best fly half. Yeah, he'll be world player of the year next season if he wins. <laughs> Carries on playing Premiership player of the season at thirteen. Well. Um, Go on. I was going to just say about about Sale Sharks quickly. You saw the, you, you saw the game. We didn't talk about Sale Sharks, which is unfair being the second team in the country. They look like they are sharpening up their attack nicely with George Ford. Uh, I watched bits and pieces of, of this about maybe half an hour in to- total. I think with ball in hand at the moment, um, they are really, really coming on leaps and bounds. And that's good to see because they didn't have that for a long part of the season. Are they yet? Yeah. Are they Soon to be the best team in ball with ball in hand in the league again. You mean again? Mm. Yes. Reinstate no, their their defense is uh, better than their attack. Uh, their 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 defense is like a nine, an eight or a nine out of ten. Their attacks are it's six not... out of ten, I'd say. But but can improve and will improve and is improving. But uh, Ben Curry, absolute machine. Love that guy. Um, it, it sounds like you want to get off this topic of sale sharks, Tim. This is what it sounds like. <laughs> no, it's just, no, I just want to wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wrapped up then. No, so I was just going to say that um, yeah, Rafi Quirk's brought on Park under 15s, went away to a, a storied and a brilliant rugby club, filed. It is great a great Oh, thank club. you, yes. Great rugby club. It's a fan, fantastic rugby club. And I, lo- I love what they've done at their clubhouse. They've got Bill Beaumont all over it. Um, mm. It's great. Celebrating the, the heritage that they've got in their club, one of its fav- uh, most famous players. Although I think Bill Beaumont has overseen some... Uh, Shocking things lately, but that's, that's a separate matter. Yes. Um, I'm not sure we'll be celebrating yeah. him that much next year, but nevertheless. Um, but this, this, was the, this was the unofficial third, fourth place Lancashire Cup match. It was the two losing semi-finalists going head-to-head. Oh, I see. Ah, okay. And so, Rafi Quirk, Park, uh, won 33-21. 20, uh, oh, great result. Great news. Bloody hell, that is good news. Well done. So yeah, the, 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 still the, the semi-final still hurts a little bit, but we'll, we'll take third best team in Lancashire and build on it for next season, just like yeah. uh, Leinster are going to do this year. Yeah. By the yes. way, if you are a very good coach with what it takes, Didsbury Talk H are looking for a head coach for next year. Interesting. So if you want to apply, get in touch. With, get in touch with Didsbury. You will have an unbelievable squad to work with. What's Jamie Peacock doing? Uh, Jamie Peacock is taking a year out to complete his sports masters. Wow! Sports administration masters. So you only get the job for a year then? Um, you get the job for as long as you keep winning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we've left you with one incredible squad. So over to you. No. If you no. think you're that person, and you want an incredible squad, Didsbury Talk H with the best club I have ever been ever been part of. So it's there for you. 
But their incredibly handsome apex predator tight head prop may be unavailable for large parts of next season. No, I have made my decision. I will never, ever play the game um, with the with these new laws. However, I've also made another decision, which I'm almost certainly going to be playing in Colwyn Bay next year. Really? So, in the words of LeBron James, I'll be taking my talents to Colwyn Bay. <laughs> so, I'm pretty sure I'm going to do that, or I'm going to do mould or something. Mold, do mould. Well, <sighs> good bunch of boys. It is a good bunch of boys. But, like, it just works better for me to play... Colby Bay. Literally next door to my yeah, parents' house. Hometown club. I love, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, going home like Villa Malberts. Exactly make like a, Villa make, Malberts. Make a, and you're a similar weight. Similar weight, similar size. The only final thing I'd say is, if you're not already, get on Succession. It is such a good show. It's in top five programmes of all time in my wow. mind. Wow. Mm. Wow. It's up, there, it's up there with The Wire. I was about to say The Wire. The Wire would be number one. Uh, yeah, break, Breaking Bad's com- number one. The Wire is comfortably number one. Yeah, it's comfortably number one. You're yeah, absolutely right there, Tim. Do um, you want to talk quickly about the high tackle stuff at RFU? I mean, I feel like I've said everything I need to say about it, but it is now confirmed. We know what the laws are. The laws have been written ah. behind our back and are exactly what they said they were going to be when they leaked the... Leaked the um, when they leaked them, when they did the first vote... And the consultation meant effectively nothing. Uh, that, that's all I want to say. I, I was going to say I'd refer people to previous podcasts. All I want to, all I'd want to say on the matter is, in my mind, decision was made months ago. Yeah, it's obvious. And the consultation is that. That's the bit that really. That's the bit that stings for me more than anything. Actually, is the. The, the fact that it's being portrayed as being the decision of rugby players in England. Yeah, it wasn't. They didn't even get a thousand it, people that, to fill out their no. fill out their forms. No, and and I tried to fill out the consultation quote unquote, and there was no place and no way that you could express anything other than the only thing you could grade is your level of agreement. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from slightly agree to massively agree. They're just scumbags. And I mean, they, 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 that was it. You you couldn't dissent or dis. Yeah, they're absolute scumbags. There's no, and it, it's it, it was a fate. It was a fate to complete. They made up their mind. Realised they got a PR disaster. I feel sorry for the comms team who had no part of it. They got thrown under a bus, and then they thought, oh, we've got to try. And they, they tried to back engineer it to to for, so the optics looked better, and they didn't get a load of shit. Yeah, That's basically so, what's happening. Uh, I've and, spoken and, to some. Yeah, uh, yeah some. There's so many problems with this. I, did you see Law Nine Point something which snuck in as well about players lowering their that, tackle? That's the bit I wanted to. So I, I wanted to make two points. One being the tackle, the the only change in the tackler height from when this first kind of got rolled out was waist has changed to below the sternum. Yeah, now which that is, is waist, mate. Which is it waist. Is waist. Which is, well, it's the belly tackle. They Look told the us. Picture. Look at the picture yeah. that, they, that they so put on there. It's my, my the base, point, but my, it's below the base of the sternum. It yeah. isn't the base of the sternum. It's below the base of the sternum, which is the top of your hips, yeah. aka your waist. My they, point was gonna. My point was gonna be, it's it's marginally better than waist, but it's. Uh, uh, but the problem, I guess, the problem with the first one was, waist was so poorly defined or, or deliberately not defined previously but it's it is not right they so, told so, us but the the other one is the point that you've just made jb yeah this is horrific it's nine point 
9.11 or 9.11 point B. Ball carriers must not lower their height significantly before making contact with an opponent in open play. Do you know what that means? The ball carrier must accept the tackle. Yeah. Now, did you see... Uh, what's the name of the big South African second row for Harlequins? Massive beard. Erbst. Erbst. Yeah. Um, so, Herbs, Ernie Herbst, is that right? You, is it Joubert? No, anyway, anyway, he carried the ball uh, almost by, R- yeah, Herbst, Ernie Herbst, almost by RFU directive, completely upright into Tom Dunn and Benno Urbano. How did that work out for him? Incredibly badly. Really? He got absolutely nailed. He was near perfectly right, six foot six. They're both quite a bit shorter, but both independently, both almost as or as heavy or heavier than him. He got absolutely flattened. Good. He got nailed. Good. So, if you're good, so my concern with this is not really, but people getting nailed because hits like that are awesome. Um, it's the how does this get enforced? How does law 9.11.B actually get enforced? Because if you're going to have a ball carrier dips into a contact as a penalty, if they dip into a contact and get hit in the or above the sternum, that's two penalties. Does that both just cancel each other out? Who knows? Like, how is like, we we need to, we actually need to get the, it's the guidance like... to referees as to how this is going to be. Yeah, it's Applied. almost like they should have run a trial, <laughs> but not with the whole game. But, like, they don't care. And people aren't... I mean, so many people keep telling me it's about safety. And then you point out the numbers, so it can't be about safety. It can't be about concussions. It can't be about all these things. It simply can't be, right? So, what is it about? Uh, sorry, sorry, I'm gonna, I have to go. Do you? Oh, okay. you, you wrap, wrap up with this. I've said what I want to say, and I totally agree with you, uh, and, yeah, sorry. Cool. Hi. Cheers, Tim. Where, where have you got to go, Tim? Sorry? Where have you got to go? I, I, I haven't eaten, and the, the shops are shutting at 11. Ah. There's, there's not, like, a sex worker at your door or something, though? <laughs> In a bit. Cheers, Tim. Obviously got the wrong wrong room. The wrong room. <laughs> he has been trying to wrap this up for quite a while. Yeah, he's really been trying wish, to wrap it up. I wish, I wish he'd just said, I want to go for a burger or, or a sandwich yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. Ah, well. Oh, well, it is what it is. Um, yeah, how... I, I, I'm going to be absolutely <clears throat> fascinated... Sorry, I'm going to be fascinated by two things. One, how what is the guidance they're going to give to the referees? Because it would be nice if they make that public. I suspect they won't make that public, but... I'm certain that we will um, get our hands on whatever guidance is given to the referees. But then how is this actually going to play out in reality? Yeah, I don't I, know. Because what I don't know, because this is, this is two of the three big things that they did in France. In France was uh, below the sternum or, or belly tackle, mm. plus uh, ball carrier not supposed to dip, plus only one-on-one tackles, wasn't it? Yeah. So this is two, three, but... What I don't know, I've said this before, people use that French study in both directions. For some people, it was a total joke and not worth a paper it was not really written on. To some, it, it is the saviour of the game and it's yeah. massively improved participation. It can't have. I, I it don't can't I, have. Yeah, 
I don't know. I suspect it's neither of those things, yeah. as with most things, it's somewhere in between. I but don't think it's somewhere I, in I don't between, think, though. I, I don't think it's been reported well or at all. So It's so limited. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things to unpack in that. Let's just say, so let's just go through things bit by bit. Let's just say the RFU are correct, and it does increase participation numbers. That might be true. You might have a whole new generation of players that just love rugby all of a sudden. But they've done it at the expense of people that have played this game, like myself, for 20 years. Because mm-hmm. I want no part of it. So we've all been part of building it, but we're not part of the future. And we've not been not been consulted. So they're just taking the game that we built and handing it over to some, someone else. And I think, actually, people say it's not it's not about you. Um, or, you know, it's, you know, you're not that important. But I'm not talking about me, because I'm not that important. But if you sort of replicate people like me several thousand times well then that is fairly important mm. uh, so they're just saying look you, this is no longer your game uh, you know, we don't want you in clubhouses we don't want you playing the game I mean wh- they'll say that they want us to take on the new laws but who wants I don't want to do that I don't I don't want to do that so they've just taken the, people don't think this is a ban this is a ban on rugby and the reason that you know it's a ban is because I want to play the game which I saw on the TV today and I'm not allowed to do that if that's not a ban I don't know what is Changing the laws means you change the laws for everybody. And, you know, that, yeah. I think, could be acceptable. This is a ban. I, I do completely agree with that. Um, I, th- I think we're... The three of us are broadly aligned on this. Yeah. And I think it's... We we will watch with bated breath. Well, can I, can it, I... will, it will definitely get presented as a success until it can no longer be presented as a success, yeah. until everything is falling apart. Well, this is it, okay, so uh, I'm not going to do this podcast for much longer, and because of that, I, I'm, I feel free to say basically whatever I want now. There's t- one of the big You've been, prob- you've been holding back all yeah, these years. exactly right. One of the big problems with this, and one of the reasons Twitter is important, is because if you want to argue your point in the clubhouse, you can't argue your point in the clubhouse, because everybody fundamentally agrees that these changes are nonsense. I am yet to meet a real-life rugby player or real-life rugby administrator who's not on Twitter in person who agrees with these changes. Not a single ref, not a single player, not a single coach. None of them. One coach actually said it won't be that bad because he assumed that it was a done deal to be nipple height. He was wrong. What he thinks now, I do not know. So now but we've accepted the process. We've accepted the process. Now we're going to have to accept, accept the outcome. The people supporting this, I have a special place in hell for them <laughs> if they're not involved in the game. So there are a couple of people on social media at the moment who, they, they, you know, it's it's hard. People say you're just angry because they don't agree with you. I'm angry because they, it doesn't affect them and they are pushing for a change that it doesn't affect. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you, I mean, one guy, one guy described me today as a pound shop Andrew Tate. Right, Andrew Tate is currently in jail, right, for in Romania for trafficking women. I have I'm married with two daughters, and I just don't want to play a game which is different to the game that I've played for twenty years. So what I'm trying to say is there is like this whole sort of cadre of people that don't play, and it is now dividing into very large people that don't play, who are more interested in taking away things from people they disagree with than they are with the actual game itself. And, you know, you look at some of the comments, this is going to increase the offloading. I'm, you know, Paul Williams today said, or, or who's a very influential voice in the, tw- in, in the Twitter sphere, 
and actually a nice guy. He actually said, I'm fully behind this. And to me, he's just sold us out. You know, what he doesn't understand is there won't, there won't be clubs. What he doesn't understand is this really affects people that play the game. He doesn't, he doesn't appreciate that all my friends will be leaving this game. My club doesn't have a head coach. All of these things actually, actually matter. And yet, here he is, I fully support it, because why? It gets him some Twitter likes and gets him on the right side of, of, of the authorities. I think it's a, it's a complete sellout. So all of these people are currently just giving cover to the RFU trashing the game. And the problem we have now is it seems to polarise the point that if you are anti-RFU changes, you're Andrew Tate. According to my, This is according to Mike Bubbins, I might add. Pound shop Andrew Tate. Yeah, which is astounding. <laughs> I guarantee, if we look into... I mean, if we're just going to level false accusations at people, we might want to look at his, his history of paedophilia. Oh, that's <laughs> right. You, know, you just don't say things which, which are false for, for good reason. So, um, yeah, that's, that's where we are with the, um, <laughs> with the high cycle stuff. And the, the argument around on it now is just so polar. It's over. The whole thing yeah, is over. Yeah. It's over. It, There's nothing we, nothing we can do. And now, we've made, now this step has been made... There is no way to unring this bell. No. Like it's it, this. This has happened. Now, I'm, I'm slightly more sanguine, although not a lot more, but slightly more sanguine than you on this. Just in the, I'm kind of. I think there's a lot of people who um, play the game, who have heard the laws, heard it's going to be a bit silly, but aren't as engaged with the game and the following as you and I are. Um, and many of the people who listen to this podcast are, and so they probably haven't seen that ult- ultimate polarisation. No, and so might just be turned up ready to hear the new laws on the first day of pre-season. Yeah, think it's a bit ridiculous, but just crack on. Yeah, but they might also play the game for three weeks, and there's fifty penalties per game for the first three weeks, which means there isn't really a game. Therefore, they just say, "Well, let's not bother." Exactly. Or the first three referees all interpret it entirely different because I can see that happening as yeah. well. Where one referee is, well, basically you've got to be tackling at the hips or below and others will be, well, yeah, it was, it was probably above the <laughs> sternum but you didn't hit him in the head, so play on. But if you're just a confrontational bloke that likes to run out on a Saturday and whack people, you can't do that. And I think when you put it in those... Well, you vein, can still do that. Can you? But you I'd say that... Um, Ernie Herb's tackle that I mentioned before, that would be a perfect example of the new tackle laws. It's a massive hit. He that is abs- a massive hit. He got absolutely leveled. You know, like that is almost his fault. Uh, well, that's that's what the new laws is going to look like. That's going to happen non-stop. Do you know? On a serious note, thinking about that, it's not going to be a nice game to play, is it? If you, that, but how they enforce that nine point one one B, so. I don't think they can, but if they try to, it'd be awful as a as a uh, ball carrier. No one would want to carry the ball. I've not really thought of that because I don't know. There, there will be there'll be big hits. There'll be big hits left, right, and centre. Yeah, you're not going to want to carry the ball at all. No, no, and you're not going to be able to offload it because you'll be absolutely whacked. <laughs> yeah. oh, Getting polaxed. Is... I mean, there is a reason people don't carry the carry the ball like... upright. Yeah, yeah. Watch that. If you've not seen it, watch that. Halfway through the first half, I think it was. Only Herb, totally upright, absolutely levelled. Yeah. No, I, I still stand by my original comment that 
you know, the whole point of these law changes, I guess, yeah, he did get levelled. It's to take the aggression out of it, to take the physicality out of it. You know, and that's it, it. Might be like the um, when they try to depower them all by not having the the ball carriers shifting backwards. Yeah, and it actually uh, repowered them all or uppowered. It yeah. was more powerful. It enforced using the better technique rather than the easier <laughs> technique. Yes. Whoops. Exactly. <clears throat> that's not that. That's not not what we wanted. No, I just think it's polarised now. Like, all arguments with it, even the slightest political ang- angle to it. And it's a case of, if you don't believe in, in the science or in the injury uh, rates or, you know, increase, sorry, increasing safety and whatnot, you're some sort of yob, you're some sort of uneducated moron. Andrew Tate. I've always thought of you as a bit of Andrew Tate. Yeah. You like a bit of uh, rolling, a bit of jiu-jitsu. He doesn't do jiu-jitsu, does he? Is he not? He's a kickboxer, isn't he? He's a he? kickboxer, yeah. Yeah. I think I'm better at CrossFit than him. <laughs> You would be. I, I guarantee. I guarantee that Mike Bubbins has got an equally as abusive record t- uh, to women as Andrew Tate. <laughs> I guarantee. If you were to look at our past histories, I bet he is super abusive because that's exactly where these men hide. That is a horrible, horrible, uh, unfounded allegation. Well, maybe. it is, isn't it? But I mean, that's like that, that, that's his midwittery at play. Pa- pound shop, and, pound shop, Andrew Tate. By the way, everything I just said about him, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, but that's like the level. That is the level of the man. It, you're right. <clears throat> this has all been polarised, um, and it's all nonsense. No, it's not so nonsense, is it? Well, because... well, it is nonsense, but it's going to be the future. Yeah, there was, again, not to pick on Paul Williams again, but his view is, well, let's just trial it and see how it goes. And I agree, but you can't trial it with the whole game. With a total rule out across yeah. the board. You can't trial it. You can't trial burning down a house or burning down a village. Maybe burn down a house. Don't burn down the village. You know, you can't rebuild these things. It's over. And, you know, to hear him say that is, is heartbreaking because he is the sort of influential person that gives these people cover. And he just doesn't understand that. And, you know, the other thing which really annoys me about the whole thing is the whole thing like, oh, are you all right? Are you all right? Like, as if the... Problem is the people that are upset about it. Uh, the problem is you're upset about it, and therefore you are by de- default the problem. You wouldn't be a problem if you just accepted what's happening. To if you didn't get upset, JB. Yeah, just accept it. Why don't you just accept it? Do you know what the cheem's the cheem's mindset is? No. Cheem's mindset is you ex- people that oppose bad policy are basically accused of being the problems because the policy is inevitable. Yeah. So yeah. you just have to accept that policy. I kind of know the principle, but not yeah, the yeah, teams. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what's happening here. Yeah, It's yeah. like, oh, it is inevitable. And, you know, you're... Yeah, yeah, I am upset. And you know what? It's perfectly okay to be upset. It's perfectly okay. And you should be angry. You should be upset. And if you don't want, like it, don't play the game, which is exactly the choice which I've made. So, JB, I'm going to ask you one more time. Am I Okay. Are you okay? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm fucking not okay. You know, but I think that's it. I think once the game's gone, it's gone. And we'll just roll it back, will we, Paul? Brilliant. Great, great, a great thinker. Fantastic. Um, let's finish there. Let's do it's, that. It's been fun. Some good things, some bad things. Maybe the bad things outweigh the good things this week. Um, if you like this podcast, we are at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. You can... Uh, get in touch with us. We didn't go through any emails this week. It's normally Tim's job. Uh, yeah. Contact eggchasers at gmail.com. Um, and if you're on Twitter, I'll be lurking and in your DMs if you're very, very lucky. Oof, lucky. What a threat. Very lucky. 
Sinister, um, <laughs> slightly sinister. Do you know? Do you know who I, I think pops into people's DMs un, un, um, uninvited, like a predator? <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Yeah. I'll let you say it. Well, well we all know. Mike we Evans. all. My weapons does it. We all know. Yeah, he does it. There we go. Let the boys play. Let the boys play. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 